Gentlemen, we must indeed all hang together, or most assuredly, we will all hang separately. Benjamin Franklin famously spoke these words after signing the Declaration of Independence, reminding his fellow signers that they in the states they represented had to stay united, or surely they would face consequences as grave as the hangman's noose. They were very different, different personalities, different politics, but they all had that one common goal of freedom that was worth whatever sufferings they might have to face. We must all hang together, or surely we will hang separately. We, likewise, a diverse collection of individuals, come together. And what keeps us united, on task, fighting the, the good fight, Yes, even when aware that the consequences could be more grave than the gallows, what keeps us on task, like the members of the Continental Congress? It's not any one individual human being. Jeremiah goes so far as to say that cursed is the one who trusts in human beings, for no one person can bear the weight of his life and another's. No, instead, we look to what motivated the church through the ages. What does Saint Paul say in his first letter to the Corinthians? The resurrection. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is in vain. He said it to the people of Corinth. <laughs> He says it to us now. But Christ has been raised. And thus we have hope. He rose from the dead, and thus all things are possible. Light overcomes darkness. Sanctity overcomes sin. Life overcomes death. But lest we're tempted to sugarcoat what faith in the resurrection is all about, we have this gospel: Luke's Beatitudes, the Sermon in the Plain. Less famous than Matthew's, but the core of the gospel, nonetheless. For the world tells us that we should be happy when we have wealth and honor and power and pleasure, but Jesus says no. In fact, woe, woe to those who have these things, and blessed or happy are the ones who are poor and hungry. And ridiculed and sorrowing. On first blush, if this is your first day in the church, if this is the first time you're hearing this gospel, I know it can sound crazy. But step back for a moment. You know it's true. Who enjoys the meal the most? But the one who is hungry. Who is the one who? Appreciates when that tax refund comes in the mail, but the one who is most poor. What leads to a, a greater appreciation, but allowing for the space where more can be filled? It's what Exodus 90 is all about. 
For the past month, there have been thousands of men across the country and beyond doing this new program called Exodus 90. A few of you here have asked me to join you in doing so. 90 days, three months of hanging together, to borrow Franklin's line, and taking a risk but not being comfortable. It's intense. There's no sweets, no alcohol, no snacking. Cutting away from the screen time, there's no social media and no TV. We give up the comfort of warm showers and add on prayer time and exercise. Like I said, it's intense, but why? To make room. To make room, yes, for fraternity and good conversations. To make time for prayer and grace. And ultimately, to make time and space for freedom. Is it a cause of suffering in my life? Yeah. But it's also a cause of joy to see these gentlemen stepping up and to be part of something so good. A cause of suffering and a cause of joy. It's why it rang so true as we heard the gospel today. We don't need Exodus 90 to do so, though it's a, a good program to help. Instead, we just have to look to the face of the saints, those happiest of people. Remember Mother Teresa? Remember her face? I've, I've never seen a face with more wrinkles in it. And each one of those wrinkles a sign of, of suffering. Not just suffering that she endured, but sufferings even more that she helped bear for others, caring for the poorest of the poor in Calcutta and then around the world. I've never seen a face more wrinkled, but I've also never seen eyes that had more twinkle. The wrinkles and the twinkles. The celebrities on red carpets, you'll never see those wrinkles. The folks in halftime shows, neither. But look closely. Do they have the twinkle? This week I had the joy when I was away for a little vacation with some classmates. I had the joy of going to the home of one of those gentlemen who hung with Benjamin Franklin. I'm sure that's why the, the quote came to mind. The only Catholic signer of the Declaration of Independence, perhaps you know, Charles Carroll. His house is still in the family, the only one of the signers that is still has his home privately owned. And it still has the chapel where Catholics from across Maryland would go to pray the Holy Mass for a century. There was no other place for them to go. And we were able to offer Mass there with his great, 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 great granddaughter. As I did so, praying there at that same altar, praying at the tomb of Charles Carroll, I was just touched with the fruit of his willingness to be uncomfortable, his willingness to hear those words of Franklin and the willingness to take a risk. 300 years since that family was in that home, praying those same words that I got to pray with my classmates and Charles Carroll's descendant. 
And if faith and history can come together so clearly for this American patriot over three centuries, how much more so for us as we come to this altar, as we gather with our brothers and sisters in the faith from around the world, not just for three centuries, but for two millennia. Yes, there are sufferings. Each of us bears them, whether we take them unwillingly or we're faced with them reluctantly. But when we bear them as disciples of Christ, blessed are we, for we find true freedom.